All right, welcome back to the program. It is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. And we got a busy show for you over the next two hours. Pat Steinberg back from his European vacation. Back on Flamestock yesterday. He's back on the program in the second hour. Hour one, though, we got a busy one for you. We've got a trade to talk about in the NHL and perhaps some fallout for the Calgary Flames. Andy McNamara is going to join us. Week one of the NFL preseason is in the books. And a couple of veteran running backs have new homes. What does that do for their fantasy football values? A little NFL chat, a little NFL fantasy football chat with our pal Andy Mack coming up later this hour. WPCA report, Jay's report, and a Stamps report all coming up in hour two as well. We'll get you caught up on the Stampeders. More injury news for the Stamps at practice uh, this Tuesday at McMahon Stadium. Jays were off yesterday, but they started two-game series against the Phillies later tonight. And we're closing in on the finale of the WPCA season. Just a few more weeks to go, a couple more races to go. We'll talk to Dustin Gorst uh, before the show is out with a quick reminder fan feedback line always open to you here on the program you can text us at 960-960 questions comments queries if you want to know what producers cam plans are for this tuesday evening feel free to shoot us a text at 960-960 yes cam and taylor are our outstanding producers this afternoon here in the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studios well, let's get it started with the news of the day just coming down uh, a little bit before the show began this afternoon, the Montreal Canadiens and the Detroit Red Wings hooking up for a trade this afternoon. This one shouldn't surprise anybody, but uh, this is what happens. Jeff Petrie, after being reacquired in the Eric Carlson trade, has been sent to Detroit. So the Red Wings acquired Jeff Petrie, Gustav Lindstrom, and a 2025 conditional fourth-round pick to Montreal. Habs retain 50% on Petrie. The condition of that pick is the later of Detroit or Boston's pick on that 2025 conditional fourth round pick. So we saw this coming. We talked about this when the trade happened. Eric Engels, our guy from Sportsnet covering the Montreal Canadiens, um, had said this. You know, Jeff Petrie's initial move to Pittsburgh was that he wasn't willing to continue playing in Montreal. That hadn't changed but was just a necessary move as part of the Eric Carlson trade to make the money work. Uh, expected Petrie to move again, and now just a few days after the Eric Carlson trade gets finalized, Petrie is on the move from Montreal. He is off to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, first things first, the follow this deal. It's an interesting one from a Detroit perspective who all of a sudden have a very crowded back end uh, for Steve Heisman and Derek Lalonde. Right now, cap friendly listing them with eight defensemen. That includes Ben Sherratt, Shane Gostaspair, Justin Hall, Jake Wallman, Oli Mata, Jeff Petrie, Moritz Sider, and Jared McIsaac. So, I mean, McIsaac probably the most likely of that group to not be there uh, when the season starts. But all of a sudden, it's a very crowded group. Almost four out of the five in that group for Detroit have modified no trade clauses now. When you add Petrie into the list of, of defensemen there. So 
Detroit can go full lefty-righty now with their D pairings if that's what Derek Lalonde wants to do. But it's certainly been an overhaul for the defense, which continued for Steve Eiserman today. And it's interesting because the first thing I saw here in Calgary is a lot of what we've seen the last couple of days, last couple of weeks even, is, okay, well, there's another defenseman gone. Why hasn't Craig Conroy traded Noah Hannafin? And if you checked in on the pod yesterday, you listened to the show yesterday, Pat, you know, bringing everybody up to date on the, the latest from the Calgary Flames, and that there just isn't much out there right now when it comes to Noah Hannafin. The offers that Craig Conroy has received have been underwhelming. It's been a lot of trying to push a rookie GM into making a quick move. And I saw it again today, the frustration of, well, why hasn't Craig Conroy traded Noah Hannafin? There's another shooter gone for Noah Hannafin. And, I mean, first things first, Noah Hannafin and Jeff Petria at this point in their careers almost couldn't be more different. Jeff Petrie is a 35-year-old defenseman who will turn 36 in December. He's a Michigan native. He's certainly on the back half of his career. Still a very good defenseman. But these are not comparable items. Noah Hannafin is 26. He's a left shot. He had uh, 38 points last year. Like we said, he's 26 years old. The return on a Noah Hannafin, the Flames, you know, may retain some salary if they have to, to make a deal work, but it's not in the same senses as what it is for Jeff Petrie. I think we're talking about completely, we're comparing apples to oranges. Yes, they both play defense in the National Hockey League, but I don't think the return that Craig Conroy is looking to get for Noah Hannafin was ever anywhere close to what Montreal was looking to get for for Jeff Petrie once they knew he would be back in the fold from the Eric Carlson trade. So I, I get it. There's the frustration level. We've talked about this for most of the offseason, that, that fear of missing out, that, that Conroy has somehow missed the boat or is lagging behind other GMs. I don't buy that yet. I, I think he has to not only for the, the sake of the Calgary Flames wait for the best deal, but for the sake of his own reputation and setting a standard. He's made one trade. It was the Yegor Sharangovich for uh, Tyler Toffoli trade. That was a, a fine return in my mind. But when you're talking about potentially trading in, uh, a Noah Hannafin, an Elias Lindholm, guys that have and should have major value around the league, how Craig handles these negotiations with other GMs are going to set the precedent for his term as GM of the Calgary Flames, maybe his future as a GM somewhere else as well. You have to get these right. And it's been said a thousand times. I, I, I'm not of the, I, I don't think taking this deep into the regular season is optimal. But if it if it means getting the best return for your players, then that's what they're going to have to do. If obviously heading into training camp, knowing where everyone stands, knowing that you've you've made your roster moves already, would be ideal. But we don't always live in an ideal world, and perhaps it does take until October or November for one of these deals to, to happen for the Calgary flames. 
sure, you risk injury for a player. You risk the team getting off to a good start. But I, I think if you maintain the status that even into the regular season, once I get the best deal, I'm going to trade them regardless of where we are as a team. And I'm talking early in the season. I mean, trade deadline, I, I don't see a, a situation where this team can could take a Lindholm, a Backlund, a Tanev, a Zadorov, all of those guys to, to trade deadline because I, I think you're just asking too much. You're asking for too much trouble if the team is in a playoff spot at that point. But earlier on in the season, in October, November, I, I don't think there's any undue pressure from a, an early start that would hold Craig Conroy back from pulling the trigger on a trade for any of those guys. So I don't think that today's news that Jeff Petrie has been traded to Detroit really affects the Calgary Flames at all. I don't know that Detroit would have been, like I said, there, there's a very crowded back end for Detroit right now. Uh, and again, Petrie's a right shot, not a left shot that Hannafin is. So I don't know that um, in Steve Eisman in Detroit, we were even talking about a team that, was serious about Noah Hannafin. They've got a couple of guys signed up long-term. They've also got uh, Moritz Sider coming up as an RFA next season that is going to take up a massive piece of their salary cap going forward. So, yes, frustrated. I understand it. I get Flames fans are, are still sitting here in August and saying, why hasn't this been resolved? Is the GM... You know, just fishing, and he's got his phone off the lake. That's it couldn't be further from the truth. It's uh, a a patient game right now. It's not always easy for people on the outside to 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 deal with. But yes, it is something that I know. And if you heard from Pat yesterday, the Flames are working on, and will continue to work on until they get the best possible value for any of their players. Noah Hannafin just happens to be at the top of the list right now because we know what his status is going forward. We know that he's not interested in re-signing with this team. It's a different situation for guys like Lindholm and possibly even a guy like Michael Backlund. So that's the news of the day in the NHL. Jeff Petrie, after being moved in the Eric Carlson deal back to Montreal, doesn't last long uh, in Montreal, but that's not a surprise. He is uh, sent back to his uh, home state of Michigan and will play for the Detroit Red Wings this upcoming season. Uh, CFL news to talk about today. This is a really interesting story. One I hope we get to talk about uh, more this week. Victor Cooey uh, has been uh, is out as president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks in a statement. The club announced uh, this afternoon saying Cooey and the Elks have mutually parted ways and the team will uh, begin the search for Cooey's replacement in the coming weeks, this change of the top comes amid a, a, a miserable season for Edmonton. They're 0-9, 11 weeks into the season. Cooey in a statement says, I made the difficult decision to step back from the club and focus on my family. Despite the team's current record, I have full confidence that the positives we are starting to see on the field will lead to success moving forward. I want to thank the board for this incredible opportunity and look forward to my role as a lifelong fan. In the meantime, franchises' uh, day-to-day business operations are going to be handled by existing business operations senior leadership. Uh, Cooey has served as the Elks' top executive since January of 2022. He's an Edmonton native, grew up watching the team play, 
said it was a dream come true type of job for him, but the Elks struggling on the field in that time, compiling a 4-23 and regular season record. You know about the 22 straight home losses beating back to 2019. Um, Chris Jones, who a lot of people are wondering about in Edmonton, he was already with the franchise when Cooey was hired, and Cooey had indicated that any changes to football operations at this point would be very difficult. Uh, but Cooey had undertaken some really interesting initiatives in Edmonton, whether it came to promotional items, uh, promotions for game tickets, trying to get as many people out to Commonwealth Stadium as possible. Uh, they had worked on, you know, uh, secondary language broadcast, uh, I believe broadcast in Punjabi, and uh, a matchup carried in Cree as well. So, you know, interesting initiative with the team not performing on the field. They've uh, operated a loss of $3.3 million last season, which was four straight years in which the community-owned club ran at a deficit. So business-wise, things not going well for Edmonton either. They averaged 23,787 uh, in crowd attendance last year. They were at 19,921 in their latest home loss to Winnipeg last week. So as usual, when things aren't going right, changes have to be made. And uh, as the Elks are sitting at 0-9 and, and doesn't look to be going anywhere fast, uh, anywhere good, anywhere time soon at least, uh, Victor Cooey takes uh, at least a bit of the fall for the Elks organization failures as of uh, as of his term as the president and CEO of the team. Uh, we'll get more into this later with uh, Taylor on uh, a another edition of uh, the Jays report coming up later today. But the Jays are back in action this afternoon, starting a two-game set against the Phillies. You say Kikuchi on the mound for the Jays. 9-4 and four on the season with a 3.53 ERA and 125 strikeouts. Phillies will counter with Zach Wheeler, who's 9-5 and five on the season with a 3.74 ERA and 155 strikeouts. Jays firmly planted in third spot in the American League wildcard race, but uh, do have to watch out for the Seattle Mariners, who are on their tail. Uh, both of these teams with a... Very similar offensive record, both of them with uh, a couple of star players that can really drive in runs, but both have struggled with that. Jays are 22nd in the majors with a 247 batting average with men in scoring position. Did a little bit to improve that uh, on Sunday in a big win over the Cubs, but the Phillies trail the Jays by one spot in that same category. So both teams, no problem getting guys on base. But when it comes to actually bringing them in, things not going so well uh, for uh, the Jays or for the Phillies. We did get some Jays roster moves today as well. Nate Pearson has been optioned to AAA Buffalo. And Jordan Romano has been reinstated from the 15-day injured list. He was dealing with lower back inflammation and will be active for tonight's game. So it will be interesting to see if John Schneider considers going to Jordan Romano straight out of the pen in a save situation, or will he continue to go to Jordan Hicks, who has filled in nicely in that spot since being acquired from the St. Louis Cardinals before the trade deadline and has come in to save a couple games for the Toronto Blue Jays before, um, or excuse me, as Jordan Romano has gone down over the last couple of uh, weeks for the Jays. So that'll come up 
a little bit later on today. Taylor's got your Jays report. Stamp Peters report with Patty Dumas coming up. Stamps and Bombers go from McMahon Stadium this week. It's part of Legacy Night. We're going to have some very special alum in the house for the Calgary Stampeders. You don't want to miss it. 7-2 Blue Bombers, 3-6 and six Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the news at a Stamps practice, not great today. Uh, sounds as though Clark Barnes, rookie receiver for the team, uh, walking around with a pretty significant brace on his leg. Stamps have dealt with so many injuries already this season, whether it be veterans or uh, young players, and it looks like they've suffered uh, another one with Clark Barnes going down. Good news for the team. Mark Keith Ambles, member of the 2018 Grey Cup winning squad, has been on the practice roster for a little over a week now. Sounds as though he will be uh, forced into action for the team on Friday. So Jake Mayer with another CFL veteran weapon to turn to as they look to get their offense on track. Uh, we'll hear from Patty Dumont, get the latest from Stamps practice coming up in just a little bit, uh, an hour or two. Once uh, the Stamps finish up with media availabilities today, we'll get you the latest from McMahon Stadium. CFL week officially kicks off on Thursday. As I mentioned, the 0-9 Elk taking on the 3-5 and Ticats. Saturday, you've got the Alouettes at 5-3 and taking on the 3-6 and Red Blacks. And it's the BC Lions who are also 7-2 and atop the West taking on the 4-5 and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Wait to see what the status of Zach Kolaros is for Friday's game in Calgary. He missed Monday's practice with what the team is calling an upper body injury that forced him to leave their game in Edmonton last week and uh, hand things over to backup Drew Brown, who led them on that remarkable comeback against the Elks. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. NFL season approaching. We've got week one of NFL preseason action in the books. And uh, as teams start to shape their rosters, a couple of NFL veterans have found new homes. Dalvin Cook is heading to the Jets. Ezekiel Elliott with the Patriots. Fantasy football fallout for both of those teams. There's only one person we chat with when we want to try at NFL fantasy football. It's our pal Andy McNamara. He joins the program next. Lots to get to with Andy as we're a couple weeks out from NFL football, kicking things off in the regular season. He'll join us next as Hour 1 rolls on. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Preseason week number one is in the books. NFL regular season football getting closer. We'll kick off week two of the NFL's preseason. Coming up on Thursday, the Cleveland Browns taking on the Philadelphia Eagles for a doubleheader Friday, triple header and more on Saturday into Sunday. And since week one finished up, we've had a couple of veteran NFL running backs find new homes. Talk about the fallout of week one and the fallout of these new uh, faces and new places. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal, fantasy football guru. You know him, you love him. Andy McNamara joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Andy, thanks for the time. As always, man, how are you? Oh, gentlemen, doing good. You're right. We're one step closer to real football. And yeah, we, we got some business to take care of here with this running back situation. Absolutely. Let's start there. Let's start with the one that I thought was going to be dealt with a while ago. Dalvin Cook had visited with the Jets before preseason got underway. Seemed like there was a fit there. They parted ways for a little bit of time, but eventually come back together. What do you make of Dalvin Cook 
signing with the New York Jets. And what does this do for Brees Hall and his potential fantasy value? I think real life wise, it's a great signing by the Jets. Like this is Dalvin Cook is not done. He's not cooked, so to say. Like this is this is somebody where Zeke Elliott is more on the back nine. I think it's safe to say even at, at twenty eight. But Dalvin Cook still, when healthy, is at an elite level. So when you add Brees Hall, who's coming off of that major surgery, and is he going to be ready week one? Is he going to be a hundred percent? When is that going to happen? You backfill with a Dalvin Cook to go alongside with that offense and Aaron Rodgers. I think it's phenomenal. Now, what does it mean fantasy-wise? My thinking is this. It's, it's going to affect Brees Hall no matter what. Is he going to be taking over as the lead back when he's fully healthy? Yes. But now we have yet another committee where before Dalvin Cook, it wasn't. It was going to be Brees Hall. So for me... I wouldn't mind swinging late on Dalvin Cook, grabbing him, and maybe seeing through the first couple weeks if he pops and you try to use him as a trade-high chip, a sell-high chip in my fantasy league. That might be where I look. Season long, though, um, it's going to be a bit of a a mishmash, and and it'll lean towards Hall. But no doubt, uh, Brees Hall is being talked about as a first-round pick in some regards. Um, This certainly knocks him down. Sticking in the the same division, funny enough, uh, the New England Patriots add to their running back stable with Ezekiel Elliott, a couple years older than Dalvin Cook and a guy that's probably got a couple more miles on the chassis than a guy like Dalvin Cook. What was your immediate reaction to hearing Zeke was going to New England, a team that's been uh, from a lot of years under Bill Belichick, a pretty steady running crew there, Andy? Yeah, well, here's the problem. Fantasy-wise, as we know, uh, it's been a, a, a hodgepodge, very frustrating. We've seen Belichick pull guys up off uh, the practice squad the day of the game and go run and weird, inconsistent usage. Bill Belichick hates your fantasy team, folks, okay? That's, that's what it is. He hates it and he, he wants to torment us. And this is also what he's doing. So here's what's interesting with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, when you look at his average yards per carry, it's under four now. It's 3.8. You know, that, that's clear. If you're under four, you're not a feature back anymore. Clearly on the downside. However, inside the five-yard line to score his touchdown percentage, last year he finished fourth, 56.3% of the time when used with that. So um, that is behind Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Cam Akers, but ahead of guys like Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, so he has usage, but he's really almost more in that vulture touchdown dependent type of role where, you know, you have Ramondre Stevenson all game. It's like, all right, he's got 98 yards and oh, Zeke comes in. All right, he's got the touchdown. <laughs> so I kind of feel him a bit more of a vulture and much less uh, a standalone value in any aspect on your fantasy team compared to Dalvin Cook. Does it take Ramondre Stevenson down a significant amount in your mind with Zeke there? I'm always wary of Patriot running backs regardless because of what we, we talked about, that Bill Belichick, he just, it's just that, that whole offense. It's strange. Um, he currently, his average draft position is at the very end of the second round, 24th overall, 10th running back off the board. Okay. That to me, that drops him a bit, but if you're looking at it, it still keeps him ahead of guys who are just behind him in Najee Harris in even maybe Joe Mixon, because he's, you know, he's, he's kind of chopped down a little bit too. Um, but you have to kind of push him down a little bit. You have to, I'm not saying don't take him, but you're going to realize that he's going to be, be losing some touches. 
just three weeks of uh, NFL preseason action. So the games that we do see tend to mean a little bit more when our uh, eyes are evaluating for the regular season. Andy, with week one in the books, was there any standout performances that you saw in week one of the preseason that you think people should be paying attention to? You know what? Overall, no. And it's more, to me, the preseason is this. It's more of, okay, does anybody get hurt? Hopefully not. Uh, And even if you see any sort of um, success or lack of success, the offenses and defenses show nothing. They show nothing. Mm -hmm. So we're not getting any sort of of rhythm. We're not getting enough of starters playing. If backups do well, that's great. But you're playing against other backups or fringe players. So it's not a something to necessarily totally discount, but really I look more of, okay, when we're coming out of after, let's say, the third preseason game, have depth charts changed? Has anything shifted? Uh, and, and kind of see from a roster makeup of has player X moved up based on performances at practice at uh, uh, these preseason games? So not on an individual game basis, but more so after that, that final preseason game, then I start to look at and say, okay, where, where are we at depth chart wise? And, and did those games make any impact? Uh, other news that we've seen the last couple of uh, days here, other than the running back signings, the Colts officially announced that uh, Anthony Richardson will be their starter for this season. Uh, as far as uh, fantasy value goes, where does Anthony Richardson land in your books, Andy? Boy, uh, I'll tell you, I, I want to see the guy play. Yeah. <laughs> like, just entertainment wise. He is a larger even a bit more athletic version than Cam Newton. And he can't throw as well, but it, it almost kind of doesn't matter. Like he can run through you. He can run around you. He can make some fantastic plays and he can make some horrible throws. So I think it's just going to be like, if you're not a Colts fan, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you are a Colts fan, you're going to be terrified every single week. So I think fantasy wise, he's going to get his with his legs. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of interceptions. Here's where we're looking at Anthony Richardson right now in fantasy drafts. He's being taken um, 16th quarterback. Okay. So we're in backup mode here after guys like Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins ahead of Jared Goff. And get this, Anthony Richardson is being drafted two spots overall ahead of Russell Wilson. Wow. Right. Who would have thought that? (laughs) Crazy. That is actually pretty crazy. Like, you have Russell Wilson, 18th quarterback off the board. And remember this. Before that horrific year with Russell Wilson last season, Russell Wilson, to a man, was like a top-six fantasy quarterback his whole career, very quietly. Like, always. Top six, four. So, if it's me, and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm waiting on a quarterback, which you would be if you're one QB league, and I'm waiting and sitting – do I want to take a real roll of the dice with Anthony Richardson in what's going to be a roller coaster season? Or do I want to bank that Russell Wilson maybe isn't horrible? Maybe Sean Payton can bring him back with the weapons he has around him. I'd lean towards the Russell Wilson angle. Yeah, it's interesting to see how one year can affect so much uh, when it comes to our, uh, our fantasy values oh. and how we remember guys. Uh, we're chatting with yeah. Andy McNamara as our fantasy football guru here on Sportsnet 960. We haven't officially gotten back to ask Andy yet. We're gonna next time we bring Andy on, we're gonna do our our big official reveal this season for Ask Andy. So before the NFL season officially begins with Week One, we'll have Andy back on for and get Ask Andy going. But 
Uh, if you want to slide in a couple of questions for Andy uh, before we let him go today, 960-960 on the text line. I'll try to slide a couple of your questions in for Andy. While we've got him here, you know we like to help you guys out uh, as much as we can here on Sportsnet today. Uh, Andy, one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, when we're talking about some news and as we're getting ready for uh, another season is one of those guys that, um, you know, we seem to have this every year for different reasons, but there's the guy that's been out of football for X reason. And this year, that guy for a lot of what I'm seeing Mm -hmm. is Calvin Ridley. Obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, off-season gambling, never a good idea when you're a pro athlete. Uh, It cost Calvin Ridley a season. He's now with a new team. He's being drafted, I, I see, around ADP of around round four or so. How do you handle guys in valuing them when they haven't played for a long time? And then add into that, he's joining a new situation in Jacksonville. Oh, man. I, I, lo- I want all the Calvin Ridley I can get. All of it. Like, this is a guy, you talk about everything I think aligning. A guy who has the biggest chip on his shoulder, who has learned truly what it is to have the thing he loves and has worked towards taken away from him. Four. Let's be honest, pretty stupid reasons by the yep. NFL. Come on, right? Yep. But that's hey, that that's the rule. You know, so it's it's done. So now you have Calvin Ridley, who's super motivated, joining a team on the rise. I know a lot of people are saying that the Jags might be overrated and that defense isn't perfect. But remember, last year it was if Doug Peterson could deprogram and then reprogram Trevor Lawrence off of the Urban Meyer stink. He did. So now we're getting the first full off season and season where it's Trevor Lawrence in stride with Peterson going from a very, very bland, if we're, if we're talking fantasy terms, a, a, a team of WR threes and, and average weapons around him to adding a Calvin Ridley that we've seen. He's only 28 still right in the prime for a receiver uh, who can be a true number one with Christian Kirk, great possession guy. Zay Jones can be that downfield. Evan Ingram came up last year. I, I wouldn't be rushing to draft him as my fantasy tight end, but uh, he, he showed some things. And so I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a target hog and get a lot of work. So if I'm looking at him, I'm placing him in a WR2 category, my second guy. Um, right now he's being drafted behind guys like T. Higgins and Debo Samuel, which I think is fair, uh, and ahead of guys like DK Metcalf, which mm, I, I love me some DK. I might pop him a little higher. Amari Cooper from my Browns, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen. So I think Calvin Ridley, you can get him right now, looks like uh, into the third round, which depending, depending how your draft falls, if you have, you know, you, you got your running back, a wide receiver, whatever, if you want to double down, Calvin Ridley, I think, is going to outperform his draft status. Uh, another guy there's been a lot of questions about, and I'm curious because I know you watch them closer than anybody, uh, the Cleveland Browns and Sean Watson. It was a obviously a tough return to football for him last year. He's been off for a while, but what, uh, what have you seen? What have you heard from Brown's camp so far? And what are the odds in your mind that Deshaun Watson turns back into the QB one that he was before all the controversy? Yeah. Well, the, uh, everything out of camp and from my Brown's connections and, you know, reporters and guys who are watching the practices daily say, Andy, this guy looks phenomenal. He looks smooth. He looks crisp. The, the flick, just a flick of the ball. It's like goes downfield. They said he looks spectacular. Now, they also said last year at this time he looked really good, but you still had those distractions floating around. The difference this year is people say, oh, he came in and he looked terrible in the six games. Outside of the Washington game, he did look pretty bad. But that was a Jacoby Brissett 
made offense. Two totally different athletes coming in midseason. They revamped the offense. They revamped and retooled on the uh, receiver side. The offense is going to be much more pass-heavy and with Deshaun Watson's input. There are all There's no excuses. If he does poorly, there's no excuses. Uh, everything is lined up for him to get back to it. So I have confidence. I really love it. And, boy, if you want to stack, I'll tell you, I want some – in PPR format, I want Elijah Moore and Deshaun Watson stack. Oh, he, mm-hmm. the, Elijah Moore is going to get a lot of touches, guys. He's going to get a lot of touches. Uh, they, they ha- they're having him line up backfield sweeps, handoffs, rollouts out of the backfield, outside, inside. Uh, he, he's, he is poised. So Deshaun Watson right now, ninth quarterback being drafted uh, behind Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I take him above Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence based on some upside. Um I, I, I think everything is lined up for him. Uh, remember, not officially you're uh, doing Ask Andy for a couple of weeks here before we get things going, but uh, we will take some of your questions at 960-960. I already see him coming in on the text line. This is an interesting one, and we'll start here because I think it, it is a legit uh, one. We always value running backs so much. I know we talked about this last time we had you on, Andy, but mm-hmm. uh, Kelly texted in saying, who's your first overall pick if you're going PPR? Is it is it a Jefferson? Is it a McCaffrey? Or is it someone like Jamar Chase? Um, I have Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, no matter what format this year. Justin Jefferson's my guy. I don't care what, what format it is. Jamar Chase, um, I have probably in the four spot after Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. I really, I really do like Jamar Chase. I got spooked a little bit on the injuries last year, but the talent is obviously there. They throw the ball a ton. You do have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd who can steal some share. Now, we've seen in Cincinnati there's enough ball for everybody to eat, but in Minnesota, it's a feast. Like, it's it's Justin Jefferson. It's really the same, almost the same type of target mindset that Aaron Rodgers had for Devontae Adams. Everybody knows that the ball was going to be thrown from Rodgers to Devontae Adams, and then he still caught 15 balls a game, and that's what we're at with Justin Jefferson. So even though I know it's cut, I think the, the last – wide receiver to repeat as a fantasy champion in their category of wide receiver was Antonio Brown and that, that, that I, I don't care. I'm going with Justin Jefferson. Number one, I'll go McCaffrey two, Austin Eckler three, and then we'll get into the uh, Jamar chase and Travis Kelsey territory after that. Uh, this one comes in from the text line as well. Andy, who among the options for Patrick Mahomes do you trust the most when it comes to fantasy options, excluding Travis Kelsey? Mm. Yeah, well, it, you know what? It, it really is Travis Kelsey. And, and, and I would say, like, overall, quick side note, I would personally probably pick Travis Kelsey. I might go as high as four, only wow. because of how bad the tight end group is. I know. Yeah. It sounds a bit nuts, but at least if I do that, I know my tight end spot, done. Don't, I don't have to worry about it. I can get, while Jefferson and, and the uh, uh, high-end receivers – are immaculate. There's a lot of receivers. I can sort of backfill those a little bit. Same with running back. Tight end is so vague. So I go Kelsey that high. But if we're taking him out, honestly, I don't want to rely on anybody outside of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on that Kansas City team as a fantasy starter. Isaiah Pacheco, ordinary. You still have Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire after him. Kadarius Tony can't stay healthy, and he's got problems on and off the field. Marquise Valdez-Scantling, Come on, man. We've been teased by this guy for years in Green Bay, and he'll go off. And if you look at his per game and, and look at where he hits and, and doesn't, it's too much of a roller coaster. Sky Moore is an X pattern, run fast. Maybe you catch a bomb, maybe you don't. That's it. 
I'm, I'm not interested really in anybody. Patrick Mahomes will make it work. In real life, you'll have everything kind of work itself out. But fantasy-wise, the rest of those guys are, you know, uh, either backups or, or down my fantasy depth chart. Where does, uh, speaking of uh, a former Packer, uh, used to be in Green Bay with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, where are you on Jordan Love? And is that a situation sure. that you're willing to take a chance on in fantasy if you need a quarterback? Or is this sort of a wait-and-see opportunity to before we know what he is in Green Bay? I'll tell you this. I have Jordan Love on my do not draft list. I have it crossed out. Okay. I have it like underlined just in case, you know, I'm tired or something during a draft and I forget. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, in- I'm not interested. The, the, the Cinderella clock has hit 12. Okay. Green Bay turns back into a pumpkin. You had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Enough. You had two plus decades worth of quarterback greatness and you squandered them. You got two Super Bowls out of it. You probably should have had four. Now you get Jordan Love. Part of the waste of Aaron Rodgers, by the way, where you could have spent a first-round pick to help the man. So Jordan Love, I, I don't expect much out of him. Um, I think it might mean good things for maybe an Aaron Jones because you'll be relying on him. I, I, this guy has average written all over him, man. I would be taking C.J. Stroud ahead of him. I'd be taking Derek Carr, um, probably even Matthew Stafford, even though he can't move. I'd probably take Matthew Stafford ahead of him. Like, there's just... I'm, I would take Ryan Tannehill revamped. I would take, the, I would gamble more on the Tana thrill coming back for one last run over Jordan love. I just have no interest. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's going to be one situation to watch for, for sure in green Bay. A uh, couple more questions before we let you go here, Andy quickly from the text line uh, draft strategies at this point of the year. Are there any that you generally employ or do you uh, encourage people to do some research when it comes to, different formats and different ideas when it comes to how to draft their fantasy teams. Yeah. You always got to do your own, own research and, and really, really know, like if you're in like a long time league, you have to also know the tendencies of your league, which is the wild card that no, you know, general analysts can, can know unless you, you ask, is there a Cowboys fan that like, you know, that dude's going to overdraft Dak Prescott, you, you know, he can't help himself. You, you know, you have to, you have to know, your draft, know the tendencies that you've seen, where have people drafted before, who are they fans of? Does someone have a weakness? That, oh, they just got to reach for that one guy. Mm-hmm. I would, I would study that. And then also just make sure you keep in mind wherever, especially through the first five, five to six rounds, just remember whatever position and player you draft for, keep in mind what you're giving up. So if you want Patrick Mahomes who's being drafted in the second round, that's fine. But remember, you're giving up an elite player at a position with less depth, whereas you could swing back later for a Justin Herbert, even an Aaron Rodgers much later. And, okay, you're not going to get Patrick Mahomes' fantasy numbers. You're still probably going to get a top 10 to 12, maybe higher, fantasy quarterback. And in the meantime, now you upgraded yourself with a top receiver or running back or tight end. So just that'd be my advice. Wherever you're looking to draft whoever, just think, okay, who am I giving up and what position am I giving up? Uh, Andy, we'll have you back on in a couple of weeks as we get set and we get our first real edition of Ask Andy. But in the meantime, what's uh, what's keeping up with you? You imagine you got the, the Browns podcast up and running oh. again for the season? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're on Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. You can look that up on YouTube at Sick Pod Browns on Twitter at Andy MC Sports on Instagram and Andy MC eighty one on Twitter. Uh, this week, actually, going to get an ESPN uh, radio host uh, buddy of mine who covers the Eagles because it's Browns and Eagles in uh, co-practice this week. So we're going nice. to dive into that. And of course, 
in every every show, even though it's the Brown sh- Brown show for part of. I split it in half. Half Browns, the rest fantasy football and betting. So you, you still get your fix. So give us a follow and hit me up hashtag Ask Andy, and yeah, we'll be talking real football before we know it. Can't wait, Andy. You're the best man. Thanks as always for the time. Great stuff. We'll chat with you soon. Hey, pal. Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon. Take care, Andy McNamara, our fantasy football guru, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Week two of uh, NFL action in the preseason edition. Kicking off on Thursday, and before you know it, fantasy drafts, NFL regular season just around the corner as we're just a few weeks away from uh, NFL football kicking off for real. As Andy mentioned, uh, we'll have him back on for another season of Ask Andy ahead of week one in the uh, NFL season, which kicks off Thursday, September 7th. You have the Detroit Lions taking on the Kansas City Chiefs from KC. Uh, So we'll have Andy on before that to get you set for the NFL season, and then again, We'll have him back on as a weekly guest to go through all your fantasy questions and uh, dive into any NFL news as it comes on during the season. Love having Andy on uh, here on Sportsnet today. And yes, of course, the news recently in the NFL, a couple of uh, running backs headed to the AFC East. Ezekiel Elliott is a New England Patriot and Dalvin Cook is a member of the New York Jets that uh, adding to uh, significant backfields already. Brees Hall. Uh, is back at practice and expected to play week one, but now has a veteran running back behind him. And we know the Patriots love their running backs. They already have Ramondre Stevenson. Now they add the veteran from Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott to the fold. How's that going to work out for both teams? We will see as the season goes on. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side of the program. Hour two is a busy one. We're going to check in on the Chucks with WPCA reports coming up. We got a stamps report with Patty Duma. Taylor's got a Jays report. Lots of reports in the second hour. Plus, Pat Steinberg is going to join us for the second hour of the program. He's back from vacation. Flamestock is back as well. All of that as hour two rolls on. We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution. Stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basin-y. Visit DLBasementSystems.com. Back with hour, hour two around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.